Welcome to Lame Stream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Scavendish. If you like this show, the one you're listening to right now, you can rate it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it. All those things help people find uh, us. Uh, but mostly, we just want you to tell someone that you know, maybe someone who is within visual distance of you mm-hmm. right now, just yell at them, hey, you, listen to Lamestream Sports. I- ideally a stranger and definitely call them you. That always works. Always, always works. Work. It gets their attention, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Jared Stillman, always getting attention on the show today to join us. Host, of course, in the afternoons on 1025 uh, The Game for a very, very long time. A guy I've known for a long time. And listen, we talked about him a little bit last week in the state of the Preds coverage. I wanted to give him a chance to respond and get his thoughts on the evolution of Preds coverage as the season begins on Tuesday coming up next week. But we also talked about the science of radio, the evolution of radio, of course, topics, how he chooses topics. Uh, how they work, the the medium, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of stuff with Jared Stillman and a, a guy that I'm sure you all know is not short of opinions. No, not at all. It might be a little short, but not short of opinions. Wow, that's wow. disrespectful. That is that is that is Jared says in the interview that's I'm always gonna be just terrible. That's well, he, he's not a tall person, but he's not a short person either. So anyway, we're not gonna talk about Jared's stature on the show. We're gonna talk about media and and sports talk radio. And it's going to be a great conversation. And I think you guys are going to enjoy it because people enjoy listening to Jared Stillman. So um, before we do that, however, Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you with the fine folks at Jaspers. And remember, it's quarter zip season at Jaspers. So the my daughters are learning about like, you know, the, the seasons right in school. They're kindergarten and first grade. And, um, you know, they... They, they say like, OK, dad, I think it's officially fall now. Like they knew it was fall after September. Was it 20, September 21st? I believe yeah. um, that, that it turns into fall and like they're very excited about the fall. Is there a particular date? Do we have an official date for quarter zip season starting? Because on October 1st in Nashville, it was 90 degrees. Yeah, uh, it, this weekend, this weekend marks the beginning of quarter zip season because it's going to be in the 40s at night, you know, the 60s during the day. It's perfect quarter zip weather. Wear your quarter zipped Jaspers. Sweatpants and quarter zip season, baby. That's what we're talking about here on the pod. All right, go to Jaspers. Pred season also getting started, as I mentioned, of course, great drink specials. They've got the gold standard cocktail. And if you want to get all kinds of great Preds coverage in depth in the weeds, Preds coverage that you can't really get anywhere else. Not that surface level shit that you hear on sports (laughs) to sports talk radio. No, no. Going deep. Go deep. Go deep with the Bobos. (laughs) Gold standard podcast is great. uh, Great resource for you. Diehard Preds fans, of course. Uh, And and of course, the lames. And of course, uh, Jasper's is a great place to watch the games. Great drinks. uh, Great happy hour. Free parking. Great game room. You guys know the deal. Uh, now that Pred season is here, it's a way better option than going to Bridgestone Arena. So there you go. Uh, go check out Jasper's over on West End. Okay, uh, enough of us Bobos. Here was our conversation with Jared Stillman. Jared, welcome to the show, my man. How are you, sir? Good to see you. Oh, it's always great to be on the show with you guys. <laughs> uh, a lot of stuff to get to today on the pod, but I want to d- discuss quickly, give you an opportunity as... One does in lowercase J journalism, an opportunity to respond. And last week on the show, we had a long conversation with Adam Bingen. Steve was out uh, about the state of Preds media. And I want to get your thoughts on the state of Preds media in general. Uh, but one of the conversations we had was about how sort of you and the the writers that are considered the blogs then in 2017 are sort of now standard media, digital media, non-traditional media, whatever phrase you want to use. And how we believe that that tension between the two of you guys, the rivalry on the air, uh, is sort of a really good thing for for National Predators fans. I just wanted to give you a chance to respond to that in sort of true uh, lowercase j journalistic form. Yeah, I mean, I guess you gave the background uh, of, you know, how in 2017 they all picked the Predators to beat the Blackhawks, which at that point in time I thought was ridiculous. And uh, and so I was like, you know, it's like, you know, the, the fans, are, you know, want the team to win. And so, you know, they're – a bunch of homers, you know, the, the Bobos and, you know, they got mad, but the mad that they got when that happened was, I think more like wrestling mad than it was like genuinely mad. There was one person who was genuinely mad. And 
I'm not going to say that I felt bad for what I said, but I felt bad that he felt that way, if that makes any sense. Um, but everybody else, it was all like a, an, an attention ploy. And so as soon as I said it, you know, they went crazy. But again, I, I always kind of felt like it was the fake crazy. It was like the, you know, I got called out on the radio for one second. And so now I want more and more and more. So I, I'm going to try to make this into a big deal. And so once I realized that, I just started ignoring all of it. And I was like, no, like, I'm not going to let, you know, I'm not going to let like, uh, you know, the I'm trying now I'm trying to get your attention while at the same time I talk about how nobody listens to you or nobody should listen to you or whatever it may have been like, no, I'm not going to give that more attention. And uh, ever since then, it's been like, a, I think, kind of a one way street for the most part of like a constant barrage of, you know, Jared Stillman so dumb. Jared Stillman doesn't know anything about hockey. Jared Stillman shouldn't have a job, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I, for the most part, ignore it because if I make, you know, if I bring it up, then it gives attention to, you know, that person or the, that group. And that's what they're looking for. And so I don't want to give it every now and then I, I, you know, have to buzz them inside with a fastball, you know, back <laughs> it off the plate a little bit. But uh, as far as whether or not that's good for the Preds fans or not, I, I think the thing that, you know, I, I can only control what I can control and what I think is good for the Preds fans. And I firmly believe this. And honestly, I'm pretty appreciative that, you know, with our partnership at the radio station, that the Predators are more or less on board with this is that like I can be as critical of, of the Predators on ice product as I can be the Titans on field product. And, you know, I spent the last year, you know, railing against John Hines and David Poyle. I mean, honestly, probably longer than that, you know, wanting them fired. And I never heard a word from the Predators other than like we disagree, but I never heard like, you know, the, you know, well, we're going to yank our partnership, anything like not even a sniff of that, like not even a hint of that. And, um, and I think that that's what's best for the fans is that I'm allowed to talk about the Predators the same way that I talk about the Titans, the same way that I talk about the Vols. And because of that, I think it encourages me more to be able to watch the games and have an opinion and, you know, um, react emotionally watching the games like I do. And uh, I think that, like, there's a certain level of respect as opposed to what I think a lot of it has been, which is like, People in the past, I think, have ignored the Predators sometimes. And then when they become too popular not to ignore, it's like, okay, well, now let's talk about catfish on the ice because there's no, we don't really know how to talk about this team because we haven't followed it. So, uh, like, that, I think that's good for the Predators. As far as, like, me and the blogosphere getting into it, I don't know. I think that's probably just, you know, wrestling drama. Yeah, I, I, tend, I tend to agree. I want to I ask you, do you think the Preds have realized that that's good for their product? I think so. Um, I I think, you know, the I think the thing like with the Predators, you know, I, and I've said this about my show a lot because this is really how I operate, which is, um, you know, I, I, I the things I say, I believe now. I mean, it's a show. So when people are like, you know, oh, yeah, you wouldn't uh, go up to somebody and say they suck. I'm like, I mean, if they asked if they came up to me and they were like, hey. You know, do I suck at playing corner for the Titans? Like, yeah, Christian Fulton, you kind of do, you know, like, but I'm not going to go up to Christian Fulton and say, hey, you stink. But the point I guess I'm making is it's a show, but I do believe those things. And I, I do think that the Predators, you know, appreciate that. Like, I, I think they appreciate it. I don't want to speak for them, but that I, you know, take the time to, you know, really invest in, in what they're trying to do and who they're hiring and who they're, you know, bringing up, you know, things like that. And, um, I mean, I guess I kind of, you know, the, who they bring up might be a stretch. Cause I, I did go crazy about people that got into the Milwaukee Admirals playoff run this past year, but yeah, I do think the predators understand that at least from my experience of it. And I mean, I, I think that, you know, for the radio station, because I've worked with teams that are bad partners before, I think they're great partners. I really do. Like, I'm not saying that, you know, to blow smoke or anything like that. I mean, I, I've worked with like colleges where it's like, 
you know, why did you bring up that we lost that Elite Eight game? It's like, because it happened. And I don't ever get that from them. Let me, ask, let me ask you a little bit more about the blogosphere here, because I I I I, I do think that it that it, fundamentally the way the coverage is has happened in Nashville has changed, in that there are more outlets kind of outside of the traditional sort of like the you know the Tennesseans beat writer or the Athletic or somebody like that that are covering the team and they're covering it in, in sort of a in, in sort of a meaningful way. Uh, I understand like the like the 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 occasional fastball back at the blogosphere, but I mean, these are uh, for for a lot of for for the vast majority of w- of what we're talking about here. I mean, we're not talking about like we're not talking about somebody who's you know randomly writing in their underwear in their in their mom's basement. I mean, these are these are people that are doing this in a professional capacity. The it's it's a really good coverage, and B, uh, do you think that is a little I don't know patronizing patronizing in order to, uh, to 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 just kind of occasionally buzz them back and then not engage well i was gonna say that the word you're probably looking for is disrespectful um but well, pat- patronizing is not usually the, laced with respect so yeah. there's something to that yeah uh no i i guess what i would say is First of all, I think that there's two totally different, you know, discussions lumping into one. I think one is like the state of the Preds media in terms of like how much coverage they get from traditional media or the athletic or, you know, I don't want to say like independent sources, but I guess that's kind of what I'm talking about. And I'm talking about independent sources that are, you know, like, they can really challenge the team. You know, they can really, like, the Predators can't get into, and, and not that I, I think that they would, but, like, not the Titans, for instance, can't get into a pissing contest with the Tennessean. Like, they just can't. You know, they becomes Why a not? bigger, he- because it becomes a bigger headline if they do, right? Like, but, it, yeah, but, 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 who, but I mean, and I want to have this discussion. Quite frankly, who gives a fuck what the Tennessean thinks anymore? Yeah. I mean, does does the Tennessean matter as a media entity relative to the rest of the rest of sports media landscape here in in, in Nashville anymore? I I think it does. I I do. And and I'll tell you why. And it's not. And again, I, you know, I I have no beef with the Tennessean, so I'm not, you know, throwing them under the bus here. It's not about the subscriptions and the people that are reading in town or anything like that. It is about the aggregation of it. So if the Tennessean were to write an article about, you know, uh, Jared Stillman says Mike Vrabel should be held responsible for this team or something like that. It gets picked up by like every single football outlet. And that matters like that. I like the it's it's almost pathetic how, you know, all these aggregation websites make their money off of just taking and recycling other people's work. But that does matter in terms of like that getting out there. Um, I also think too, like in terms of like, where these, you know, where the writers come from sometimes, you know, the, the athletic, and I, I have my own issues with the athletic, especially how they cover the predators, which is they don't, mm. um, but like those writers, those aren't guys that just, you know, decided, yeah, I just want to start blogging about the predators. I mean, those are like people that have covered the NHL and covered the NFL. And, you know, again, not to say like, you know, capital J journalist, but there is a difference there. And I'm not, I don't think it's disrespectful to say that. I just think that it's reality, right? Like, um, so I, I do think that, that, that kind of matters a little bit. Well, there's, uh, there's, there's two guys that are the, lo- the, that are just, I'm not going to use names here. Cause it's not the point of the conversation, but there's two guys that are in that group that are the, the ones that you say are not. The, the big name sort of traditional went to J school, like whatever. And actually, I think a couple of these guys actually did go to journalism school that are breaking more news than anybody at the Tennessean is with the Nashville Predators. And and so I, I do think there's a void in coverage. There's no there's no question about that. But that aggregation you're talking about, which I agree with, is incredibly important. I would argue more for you or, or the person that's the subject of that aggregation than the actual fan himself. The fan doesn't learn anything or gain anything from that thing being pushed out and and it going in one ear and out the other because I saw it sure. on my time my I see it on my timeline for five seconds and then it's in one ear out the other and I don't really give a shit what what was said but if I'm a real fan 
I I'm going to be like, and again, one of these guys, I'll, I'll, this is a name I'll use because he he's kind of a tied to both of us, but like Nick Keezer, for example, is a new name that's in this space that's writing and covering the team for 1025 and for the blogosphere. And he's probably got a chance to be a pretty good reporter if he wants to be. He's got, you know, like there's plenty of guys that are doing this, men and women that are doing this. There are certainly there's certainly one or two that are in their underwear in the basement, but but there are a handful of these people that are breaking news. And it's because the Tennessean, frankly, and other outlets that are mainstream TV stations and radio stations aren't doing that. Sure. I mean, to your point about the aggregation, a couple of weeks ago, I I put out there that Peter Skaronsky had an appendix issue and, you know, NFL Network. I think that was a Saturday, like during the SEC game on CBS. I put out, you know, hey, Peter Skaronsky's got an appendix issue. And the next morning, Ian Rappaport put out that he had an appendix issue and the Tennesseans writing, you know, according to NFL Network. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and I know that nobody cares about that. Like, I know, but I care. So I understand what you're saying. No, I mean, well, I, but, I but if you deserve, no, that's that's let's drill that point home, though, because if you break the story, you break the story. You deserve credit. And if the and if NFL Network has its own so- source, that's fine. But the Tennesseans should give credit to who had it first. Sure. I mean, um, you know, ESPN didn't give credit to Caroline when she reported that Will Levis was going to be out for the the Minnesota Vikings game. And I was actually really upset about that because, you know, Caroline worked for that. You know, like Caroline, like, you know, I don't know how she got it, but, you know, cultivated sources or a source and found out Will Levis wasn't playing against the Vikings and put it out there. And ESPN ran a story and ESPN said, you know, sources tell ESPN. Well, I'm like, that's bullshit. I mean, that's like, that's, that's not what, you know, and I guess, you know, it wasn't Tehran who didn't want to give Caroline credit, right? It was ESPN that decided as an organization not to give Caroline credit. I was really upset about that. Not because I care in the grand scheme who knew first that Will Levis wasn't going to play against the Minnesota Vikings in a fucking preseason game, but more (laughs) so because like, I think Caroline deserved credit for her work. You know, she works hard. And, yep. um, you know, that's the kind of thing where I do feel like, you know, people may take somebody more seriously if they see the work that they put in or that, hey, like, clearly she's got some inside knowledge of the team. Um, and so I think that that's important. So I, I do, like, I'm not saying that, you know, that the uh, blogosphere is trying to think of the right way to say this like i'm not saying that they're not important because that's probably how what i said you know in 2017 and right now came off i i think they may honestly be more important with the predators now than before because i don't think the traditional media in terms of writers does a good job of covering the predators at all yeah um but i think as far as like like the the petty escalation of the you know it's six years later and and here's Jared Stillman, you know, ha ha, Jared Stillman doesn't know what he's talking about because he asked David Poyle if David Poyle lied to everybody. It's like, hey, I see what you're doing because, you know, your other tweets about the team get about, you know, like four interactions and any tweet you have about me gets about 800. And so I, I see what you're doing. You no, know what I mean? It's because you're on Elon's payroll. That's all that is. Um, oh yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, I'm the guy. Lamestream Sports is a podcast about Nashville sports media and business, hosted by Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner and yours truly. And it is brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by the fine folks at Jaspers. Since it is officially quarter zip season beginning on October eighth, let's say, yes. Um, the official opening. Yeah, that's a national holiday um, for, for many of us. I, I have a question about food and weather and, and other fall behaviors and, and weather. Let as me ask As long as it doesn't involve pumpkin spice, you're good. You're anti- I hope Jasper's has so much delicious pumpkin spice stuff. That, I don't see, know. see, that would be impossible because pumpkin spice is not delicious. Dis- disagree. I, here's the, it, the, the, I don't love it, but I only want it in a small amount. So I think it's perfect for one month. That's all. I don't think there needs to be one more than but, one but month. See, but see, that's oh, the problem. Go. We get it. We're getting it for like three months now. That's it's true. It's terrible. It's, it's not as it's not as bad as a large box uh, um, home improvement stores already having floor displays for Christmas 
decorations. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That is, no, and I don't love sure. I do not go to large shop, large industry, like big business uh, coffee places, for example. There's one in particular that comes to mind. I don't ever go there. I go to local shops um, like Jasper's, of course. But I, I like pumpkin flavored foods and desserts. I love pumpkin cheesecake is spectacular. Like I can do lots of desserts and foods. I don't love the uh, the lattes, but I can do the desserts and foods. Anyway, that's not what I was going to ask. But again, it's good in small doses, like a month, maybe two. And that's all I need. But here's what I was going to ask. Can you cook soup or chili? Because I'm a big ch- chili soup cooker in my family. I'm the one who does that. And I love doing it. My 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 daughters love white bean chicken chili. I, I got a tomato-based chili we make. We do like a, a Thai sort of chicken and mushroom soup. Like there's a a sweet potato and, and mushroom brown rice chicken soup. Like we do all kinds of soups. Does it have to be a certain temperature outside to cook a soup? Or can you eat soup and cook soup when it's like 90 degrees on like Labor Day weekend? You can. You just need to do it in the air conditioning inside. Uh, because once you sit outside and you're eating and it's hot and you're eating a hot food, you just a uh, hot liquid. It, it's just it feels terrible. It's awful. But doesn't which, like, is, which is which is why I agree. Which is why the temperature dropping this weekend is so important. Yes, because we can all go go to cooking. I think it's even hard to do inside, like because your body and your brain, your stasis, right, your homeostasis inside is still like really really hot from being existing in a ninety degree temperature. I find it very difficult to even eat the soup inside in, in air conditioning. And and my wife and I keep our house very very cold. Follow up question, because you should be able to do some fire pitting this weekend. Should you have one of those and like doing that? We've got one. We can't wait to get the fire pit out on Sunday and do a little fire pit for my daughter's birthday. It's going to be cold enough to do that in the evening. Does does it? My wife insists that it has to be like a certain temperature outside before we can have a fire inside the house because we have a fire bur- we have a wood burner in the house and she's like, if it's like sixty eight degrees outside, she's like, I'm not really interested in having a fire inside. So, so here's a question: Do you throw open the doors at that point and and like let the house cool like way down and 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 then you then you flip the fire on? I mean, go, go to Jasper's. Um, if we open, if it's 68 degrees outside, and we open up the windows. Nothing happens. <laughs> I'm just telling you how cold our house is. <laughs> we, we we have a we have a ceiling fan I, on in the bedroom during the winter time. Just I think it's got to be in. I think it's got to be in the fifties before you build a fire. At least, how about outside fire? Same uh, thing. I mean, even worse. Got to be cold. I mean, I mean, outside fire, you can get away with it. I mean, like, don't deprive yourself of s'mores because it's like seventy degrees. I mean, always, no. always make s'mores. Deprive yourself of s'mores because it'll take years off the end of your life. Um, and if you're going to do that, you might as well go have a professional chef cook it for you. So go to Jasper's and check out their desserts. So how about that? I, Jasper's. I, I think you can. I think you can have fires when it's you know. In the sixties, if you want, sure, sure. No, so, so do you do you not burn your marshmallow then? No, I'm a I'm a light char guy. Uh, oh, also man. a restaurant, also a great restaurant from Four Top Hospitality. <laughs> <laughs> no free shouts. No free shouts. Uh, no, it's uh, I, I don't want it to be black. I want it to be brown. I want it oh, to be no, brown, no, no, but no, no, brown no. all the way around. But more importantly, warm and gooey in the middle. Yeah. See, I like setting it on fire. I like I like I like holding it up and like. It's like a fireball in the night for, kind of for, kind of thing. That char, that's just you're just adding flavor. For, you're just adding a layer of flavor to the s'mores. You know, I've known you a long time, and the more I get to know your food taste, I have no clue how you ended up a food critic. Um, <laughs> go to Jasper's, everybody. Go to Jasper's. I want to ask you about this about sort of all sports because you've been in the market a while. Um, how, how has it changed the coverage of the like? How has the because we Steve and I kind of disagreed on the Titans coverage over the last ten years. Uh, I'm curious your perspective on the coverage of the Predators over the last ten years, especially since the Cup run. How how do you see the fans, the media, the team, and the coverage all evolving over the last ten years? Uh, I think the coverage of the Predators is terrible. Like I I think it's I think it is shameful that a team that is as popular as they are. And that is, uh, you know, clearly moves the needle. You know, I, I talked about this during the summer of 2022. You know, summer can be a, a little you know, difficult sometimes to fill. And so every now and then there's one or two stories during the summer that kind of have some, you know, 
They kind of have something to it that I'm like, okay, this can get us to training camp or this can get us, you know, through the tough times. Like the soccer stadium debate in 2018 was one of those where it was like, hey, you know, this will get us through until the Titans uh, get to training camp. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins watch this summer was another thing that was like, okay, that can get us through there. Traylon Burks, Traylon Burks, asthma gate. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, whatever, but the Philip Forsberg contract was one of those. And we must've talked about that in the month of June of 2022 ad nauseum. It was the number one story. And, you know, I, I, I don't do this, you know, we got to cover everything mentality. I take the biggest story and I just pound the crap out of it. And so we just were on that Forsberg story almost every day. And what's great about, you know, David Poyle, and I think now Barry Trotz may be the case, is that, like, they talk. Like, they, they talk to, you know, so, like, every other day, Pierre Lebrun would have a story that's like, Philip Forsberg and Nashville's negotiations stand here. So then, of course, it'd be like, we got breaking news from Pierre Lebrun. And so it kind of kept the cycle going. But the point I guess I'm trying to make is, you know, we talked about that for an entire month of the summer. And our metrics and ratings were good. And that was a moment for me where I was like, okay, like this is, you can talk about them in Nashville the way that, you know, you talk about, you know, other stuff like Titans, Vols, whatever. And if there's a big Pred story, you can pound it into the ground and it'll work. And yet the athletic doesn't have, a, you know, the athletics number one thing, in my opinion, is their hockey coverage because of who they have nationally, you know, what stories they have, who they talk to, and they don't have somebody covering the team. I think it's terrible. You know, the Tennesseans coverage, like it exists, but I mean, I think it's taken a, a step backwards over the last handful of years. And, and I don't know, you know, uh, and it's not a Scarbina thing, but it's just a, uh, it's just not, I just don't see as much of it, you know? Well, they don't have resources to send, like Adam Vingan used to travel to every road game in 2015 and 2016 and 2017. And they, they, they're not spending that kind of money to send somebody yeah. on the road. I want to ask you though, about that, that, that time of the month, like, or that time of the year when you were able to, to play that and get ratings and get metrics and get response out of it. That doesn't work though. As soon as, football is happening like i agree with you that it's a popular team the tv ratings suggest that it's not relative to football uh they don't get like well i mean nothing on television is popular compared to football right but i'm saying even in just the nashville market like it just they don't even they don't even measure in the top in the top 10 but that but that's uh, i would i would argue that that's kind of an outlier relative to kind of how they're how you f- how you get them on TV? That, that's the, fair too. And, that's fair. And too. the fact and the fact that you know they're tied to they're tied to this Valley Sports contract, and that Good is context. That it it is it is an anvil around anybody who is a who is a non cable box uh, subscriber, which of which there are increasingly fewer. Uh, and and you just I don't uh, th- th- that's and they haven't been of, good. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah like I mean that that all plays a role into it. I mean, but. You, your TV ratings for something on Bally Sports in 2023 is never, ever, ever going to be one eyelash of what an NFL game at noon on Sunday on CBS is of a team that has been in the playoffs for, you know, four of the last five years or whatever it is with the Titans. I, these are these are all important points, and, and I agree with both of you guys and, and obviously the context. I guess my larger point is that you said the reason it worked in part was because it was the the slowest. Like I can, we can talk messy in July, and then as soon as the Titans are in camp, you can't talk messy anymore coming to town. Like you've got to go on to talk about the Titans and SEC football, and now the Vols are a bigger part of the 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 zeitgeist because people care about well, them being can, good. You can, you just don't. Well, but but it does. The point is, is that y- you, Jared, and everyone else in radio are governed by the metrics and the science, and like you said, you take the top story and you pound it. And the top story is from for most of the eleven months of the year outside of m- maybe playoff runs is is never going to be the Preds unless there's a large story like a changing of the GM or changing of the head coach or Philip Forsberg's contract, and it happens to happen in June or July. Unless you think you think, do you think you can go on the air in the middle of October and talk opening season of the Preds versus middle of the season Titans and 
and and the and the people of Nashville care as much about one or the other? Do you think the gap has closed? You're saying the gap has closed in your opinion. Well, I think if a player on the Predators takes their stick and swings it like a baseball bat and hits somebody in the head with it, then that can be the top story that day and we can talk about it. So, I mean, what I guess my point that I'm <laughs> so, so criminal, is, so criminal activity. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is like, you know, there every situation is different, yeah. right? And so to your point about, you know, yeah, if there's a changing of the guard in June, that would be the number one story. Sure. But I want to say Barry Trotz and David Poyle's transition was announced in February. And that was like, you know, and, and I view things by hours. So there's 20 hours in a week. And I mean, I want to say that that was like a 10 hour topic. You know, it was like a three day thing in the middle of February. Um, but everything leading up to it, you know, like the speculation of would David resign? Like, you know, would they have the stones to fire him if that's what it came to? Like, that was a big deal. So I guess what I'm arguing is, and this is where I think sports talk fails its listeners in general, is that, you know, an individual NFL football game or a Predators playoff game is really about the games, right? Right. It's about that penalty that was called in the third period. It's about, you know, is the quarterback good enough? You know, he threw that interception. Everything outside of those, like the big games, big moments, big, is always about, I think, the large picture. The quarterback, the coach, the championship, the general manager, the direction of the, like, that's what matters. And, um, you know, like right now, for instance, like Barry Trotz is telling people, like, hey, man, you know, it, it may be a little tough road to hoe right now. And I think people are accepting of that. I think the fans are accepting of that. I'm accepting of that. And I, like, I understand how the NHL works, but then it's also kind of hard at the same time to be like, all right, let's watch this team play this season, baby. Knowing that the general managers already said like, Hey, you know, this is going to be a process. And this is what the predators have avoided, you know, for all those years where David Poyle's like, Oh no, I think we got a team. And everybody's like, no, 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 no. Like th that's what they've avoided. So it's different. It's case by case. And I, I have to tell you going into the Saturday, uh, the Sunday game against the Bengals, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, if the Titans get blown out by Cincinnati, which I know the Titans did the blowing out, but, I think that, you know, knowing Joe Burrow, there was a little fear that Cincinnati, you know, sure. could have come in here and done that. I mean, I, I think there's kind of like this element to it where it's like, I, I haven't been on the air with the Titans being out of it or terrible. I haven't been on the air in seven years with that. So then I'm like starting to think to myself and gain anxiety of like, what are we going to be talking about in November if the team is awful? And, uh, you know, maybe that was kind of quelled by the division and the fact that the Titans went there and smoked the Bengals on Sunday. But again, I mean, I, I just I think it's kind of like it really is kind of a case by case basis as to what the story is, how much people care about the individual story. And, you know, different years mean different things and different games mean different things. And I mean, what I love about the playoffs and Braden, you experienced this doing, you know, talk radio during the, the playoff runs that the Predators had when they were good is that playoff hockey games are like football games where mm -hmm. I feel like I can do a four hour show on a playoff game. And that's kind of always how I've looked at it is that, you know, the, the because games... it's, it's because it's one of one as opposed to one of 82. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's ultimately the problem that you have with like NBA games and, and, and NHL in general is that you're look you're consuming, you're consuming a product in chunks of games as opposed to what you're talking about single event games that's why the nfl will always be more popular because because you can you can narrow it down to these sort of individual moments that happen once in a week as opposed to uh, baseball know, as opposed to like three i mean years. i mean baseball i mean, baseball I mean look, is, look at a, a pitching performance in game one you could analyze for four hours the next day if you were in a baseball market a hardcore a hardcore local baseball market whereas if he pitches 32 times during the regular season, you're not coming in and doing four hours on the way he threw his fastball the night before. Right. No, though. I, I always have had a little bit of jealousy because in New York, like during the summer in July, they can be like, you know, start yeah. the show. 
Joe went to the bullpen in the seventh inning. I mean, I can't believe he went to the bullpen. I don't know why he brought Johnson in the game, but he did, and he gave up two runs, and they lost again, and now the three games back, and it's a big one this weekend with the Royals coming in town. I mean, I don't, you know, like I'm a little jealous of that, and I was a little hopeful Nashville SC could be that. It's not, but I was hopeful that it could be. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think, like, talk radio in terms of even baseball, it's always about like, where is the team in the long seasons? It's about where is the team? Like how far away are they from the playoffs? You know, are they competing? Do they need to blow it up? Do they need to hire a new GM? Do they need to hire a new manager, a new coach? And I think that that's, you know, kind of always going to be the case unless your team is really, 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 really good. And then, Everybody watches every night and then it becomes like a, you know, a race for the, you know, they're eight games up and what do they have to do in order to get the right playoff matchup? And it, I, I think one thing that talk radio hosts kind of get lost in is that big picture is always the most important thing. It, this, this strikes me all as being exhausting. <laughs> when it, it is like, like for instance, you're sitting there watching a Bengals game, thinking about thinking about what would November be like if the if the Titans are in the shitter, uh, in the sense that, in in the sense that because you talk about a a, a relatively narrow range of topics, but because because you're not going to come, you're not going to come on and go deep, and 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 we we've talked about this before, you know, it's it's why terrestrial radio works the way it does and, and it's it's how you drive viewers and 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 that, that's that's fine but it strikes me as being exhausting to have to consider those sorts of things as opposed to things that are just sort of interesting so here's the thing for me steve is that that's how i'm built so like like that is like the big picture the wanting to win a championship the like my dad is 72 years old and how many more Titan football seasons do he and I have together? You know, we've got 25 so far. And, you know, how many more do we have? 15? You know, 10? I mean, dark. knock on wood, I hope it's forever. But, like, I want to see a fucking Super Bowl with my dad. And so, I like, that matters to me. And, see, that's the thing that I think, you know, one of my biggest strengths is that I can't explain to somebody else or coach into somebody else, which is if you're somebody doing radio in Sheboygan and you decide, you know, Hey, I think I can do talk radio in Nashville. You, you probably can. I mean, I don't, you know, I, there are people that are not fans of the teams that are on the air here, but I think one of the biggest strengths, and I, I think I've said this before on this podcast, but like one of the biggest strengths of the Jared and the GM program from the jump was that like we were Titans fans and Preds fans and like the fans could relate to that, that, you know, we wanted those teams to win. And so for me, when you say it's exhausting, like, yeah, I mean, you know, doing the, the same four hour show every day for two days or three days or however long it, you know, I don't say that's exhausting. I mean, that's the job, but the idea of sitting there in November or in October thinking about the Titans and the Super Bowl and then what's it going to be like if they're not good? And I'm thinking about those things anyways. So you're a Bobo. Well, I mean, I root for the team, <laughs> but I think that I've done a very fair job over the years of no, no, you, I'm separating kidding. I'm kidding. the. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, I I, I want to defend from. I would defend you for a second here because I'm wired the same way you are, which is some of it is just like the talk like i'm i'm this is going to be totally about me like i i was raised by a pastor's uh, my grandfather was a preacher and the the ability to just chat and talk and gab and bl bloviate on all the time that's just how i'm wired and it's why i was it's why i was drawn to sports talk radio as a kid it's why i was drawn to, to radio in college it's why i was drawn to the profession in my career and that's why steve writes for a living is that he he he's maybe more thoughtful and more critical and we just kind of people are wired differently and that's why they gravitate towards the mediums that they do. I want to go back to your point though about the big picture and then cuz you also use the phrase like you're doing your audience a disservice and I think that is where the diversity in the market not we can include the Titans in this as well because I think there's a lot of really good Titans coverage that's quote unquote non-traditional and while some folks in TV or traditional terrestrial radio like you are working for the Tennessean might look at non-traditional in sort of a weird way or a side-eye kind of way, if I am a diehard Preds fan, sure, I can get great coverage from radio or 
the, these these places that cover it at the surface level, the big picture. I, I need more if I'm a diehard sports fan of a, of a particular team. I need to go deep into the weeds. I want to understand expected pass block rate and Corsi scores. And I want to, I want more of that. And so if you do, you have to have a place for that. And I'm curious if you think like, don't, aren't you also doing your audience a disservice by not being able to go as deep as, as the other folks are in the non-traditional space? No. I I would compare this to when I was listening to you talk about this. I w- I would compare this to how the channels line up on SiriusXM, which I know you know something about having worked there. Which is you know like I I work on Mad Dog Radio, which is kind of the you know general SiriusXM sports talk channel. And then there's NFL Radio, MLB Radio, uh, NHL Radio, College Sports Radio, NBA Radio. You know those kind of things, and if somebody is like a die hard basketball fan, that's what NBA radio is for. NBA radio is not for somebody that, you know, wants variety or wants to hear about the big story in sports of the Dallas Cowboys. Right. And it's, I think, you know, this is, and I understand that this is the point of the podcast. The idea of say, breaking down the, second-tier Preds prospects. That is something that there is an audience that cares about it, but it is not, you know, the driving home from work at 4 o'clock audience. I I liken this to, you know, how I was a kid. I was a huge baseball fan, and I used to, you know, read Baseball America, where they would talk about the prospects and the draft and things like that that you're never going to flip on TV and it's sitting there talking about how, you know, this guy double A is 19 and he might be pretty good. So I absolutely think that there is a market for that, but it's just not big enough to justify, you know, giving it that kind of coverage on a consistent basis on the radio. Like that's the difference in the mediums. I agree. I would argue, and I argued this on the pod last week. I think the biggest, one of the biggest changes in hockey coverage and the fans, and I think frankly the media as well, from 2015 to today, is how much smarter everybody is about the game itself. Uh, they put analytics in the broadcast now. Willie and Chris put analytics. They they work analytics into the broadcast. So I guess my question is: is how can you ever know if they want more? The guy driving on, uh, like the guy driving listening at four o'clock, is now smarter about the Preds because of the work you've done and because of the the popularity of the team, don't you find that there's something extra you need to start adding to that? Or is it, uh, you just think everybody just wants the one talking point and the one line. And I mean, I, I do agree with your basic point that there's a smaller market for stuff that's deep and granular, but at what point does that market start to evolve and change? Because again, we are much smarter as a hockey city today than we were in 2015. So I can't answer that question for you. I, there's no way for me to be able to tell you, you know, how something would work compared to kind of doing things the way I know how to do them. And it's, I was thinking about this yesterday and it's maybe an odd comparison, but I don't like Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. I, I think Olson talks too much and I just do not think that they are a number one crew by my standards in doing football. I just don't. Like, I I would prefer to see somebody else in there. I would prefer to see Ian Eagle, you know, get elevated to a number one job, and he do that as opposed to the Fox number one crew. And I promise I'm going somewhere with this. Is there any real way to know if Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson matter at all to the audience? Is there any real metric for the executives at Fox to figure that out? other than like the seven of them in a boardroom sitting there saying, what do we think about uh, Kevin and Greg? Yeah, we think they're good. Okay. Because the ratings are not affected at all. Right. By who's calling the game. Well, let me, I I can answer with, I can't answer about Kevin and Greg, but I can answer based on television metrics, which is that, um, and I'll use Fox specifically. Fox news has minute by minute television ratings. They know, they know when they change the Chiron, the effect that it has, the lower third on the audience, tune in, tune out. They know what when teases work. They they see the dip going into commercial breaks. The, the television companies at that level see every single tiny, literally minute by minute television ratings, which I don't know how they do that, <laughs> but they do. 
And so to your point, I, I don't I don't know how that translates to a fan tuning into a broadcast saying, oh, I've got Kevin Burkhart versus XYZ team. I don't know. By the way, Kevin yeah, Burkhart. But if you're a Fox executive and you're looking at that, and let's use the Cowboys-Patriots game last week as an example, right? And you see, oh, man, a bunch of people checked out right here. I guess Tony Romo didn't do a good job breaking down the second Mac Jones pick six that was returned for a touchdown that's now made it a <laughs> nine-score game. It's like, is it that or is it the fact that it's now a nine-score game and Bailey Zappi's coming in to play quarterback? Right. I didn't say the translation was direct. I just mean they do have minute-by-minute television metrics. They do. Well, I just I think that there's a lot of things in the media that everybody likes to make an argument pointing out numbers and, you know, like as if those, you know, what, however they came up with the numbers, whatever those numbers may be, um, how that that points to the, well, see, this is why we're doing what we're doing. And this is why I'm right. But I think a lot of it too is still just a, what we think about the job Kevin and Greg are doing. And it's like, I think they're doing a good job. Okay. Keep them in there. Whereas I'm not a fan. Well, I, um, I, there's a reason Fox had to pay $800 million to Dominion voting because they saw minute by minute well, ratings. That, right. Because they saw minute by minute ratings spike when they covered that topic the way they did. And that is the reason they did it that way. And it's the reason they got into the lawsuit in the first place, because they saw their audience spike. And so they they knew like, hey, we've got to lean into this. There's evidence that they knew. There's evidence of them saying that they knew <laughs> like we've got the whole thing laid out for us. They, they knew exactly what to do. And again, because, you know, there's no way for us to have the kind of data the, the you know, this radio data does not exist the same way that like that level of television data exists. Um, and even then, like, you know, still even the TV metrics are a little flawed somewhat. But I. Um, for instance, after the Titans beat the Chargers, I, I thought that the defense did, you know, Vrabel credited Shane Bowen with making an adjustment, you know, going into overtime and the defense, you know, gets the three and out of Justin Herbert. And, you know, I, I'm like, hey, like, let's not forget about the defense here. Like, let's talk about the defense. I think the defense did pretty well. And, like, I have different metrics at my disposal. I also have listener reaction, you know, phone calls, text line. And then I've got kind of my own, like, internal. Like, I've been doing this long enough to where I can listen to myself as a listener while I'm on the air. And it's almost like talking about the defense after they won that game was like crickets. It was like, I, I could feel like I heard a tumbleweed, you know, I, pass I, by I know the radio I know what while you mean. I was on. Yeah. And then I'm like, you know, I get back to Tannehill, Henry or Vrabel. And it's like, and so, you know, it's like, yeah. if you tune into the show and you're like, man, they talk about Derek Henry a lot and Ryan Tannehill a lot. Like that's because you care about Ryan Tannehill and Derek Henry a lot. And, um, and again, I mean, you know, years ago, I, I got on Joe when he was at the Tennessee and Joe Rex Road because he wrote a column about Lipscomb softball. And I promise you, this is not disrespectful to Lipscomb softball at all. I have a ton of respect for Lipscomb. But I'm like, Lipscomb softball, Joe, really? And he's like, <laughs> I can write another Mariota column. And I, I said to him, I go, how many people are going to click on a story about Lipscomb softball? as compared to the amount of people that are going to click on your 973rd Marcus Mariota story. And that as, as shameful maybe as that sounds or disrespectful or um, I, I just, I don't know the right way to say it because it, it sounds like that by saying that, that, you know, only Mariota is important. Nothing else is important. That's not true, but that's what people want to hear is that kind of talk. What people are talking about at work. Nobody walks up to the person in their cubicle and says, hey, man, what would you think about Lipscomb softball yesterday? But, I, I mean, I went to my dad's office the week after the Saints game. And, I mean, I can't tell you how many people at my dad's office, which is like a regular office, that were like, man, what is wrong with Tannehill? And it's like, that's, you know, what – Plays on the radio yeah, is what people but, talk but, about. But don't you think they're having that conversation, that kind of conversation, because it's you and not because it's like if I walked in there and said, yeah. "Hey, what you think about the Saints game?" I, I might get, I, I might get like a little bit different reaction. Yeah, but don't you think the people that are tuning in to listen to the show are listening for that? 
Well, uh, Jared, Jared, I think I think his point is I think his point is right. People care more about Tannehill sucking in the first game of the season than they do about Lipscomb softball. I think no one's going to argue that. Yeah. I think at some point when writers choose topics to write about it, sometimes it's, hey, we feel like it's our job in the media to also present you with things you don't know about because these are really interesting and important stories in our community. And that's not and that's that's not how radio works. And that's ultimately like uh, the the thing I want to get back to, which is like when you're talking about like crickets on the defense. I mean, at some point, it isn't it isn't it incumbent upon you? I mean, not like incumbent, like you have like some kind of like moral obligation. You don't. But I mean, (laughs) isn't it better for you to try to move the ball on defensive discussion as opposed to? going back and recycling Tannehill, Henry, Hopkins kind of stuff over and over and over again. I mean, isn't that, isn't that ultimately, doesn't ultimately make a more interesting show? I feel like in life, there's only so many priorities that like I can have towards any individual, you know, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing at that moment in time that I can only have so many priorities. And to me, the first priority is to be fair. You know, that's the one thing that I will not sacrifice. You know, Braden brought up the the Fox News Dominion voting, you know, 800 or 780 whatever million dollar settlement or whatever it was. Like, I I will always be fair on the radio. Like, if I believe Vrabel fucked up, I will say Vrabel fucked up. If I think Vrabel's doing a good job, I'll tell you Vrabel's doing a good job. And that's always how it's going to be for me. And if it gets to a point to where someone, you know, says, hey, we want you to, you know, rip on Vrabel every day. And I'm like, but Vrabel didn't screw up. And they said, we don't care. The audience wants you to rip on Vrabel. Then that's not going to work. That's the number one thing. The second thing is that I I feel the need to entertain the audience with what it is that they want to hear. And I, I don't look at myself as, you know, you brought up a writer covering things in a community that highlights things. I think that's very important. I think that's, you know, I I think some of the best work in Nashville and boy, I'm sure some people are going to be pissed when I say this, but I think some of the best work in Nashville is done by Phil Williams at channel five. And yeah, you know, there are some stories that Phil Williams investigates that I couldn't give a rat's ass about, but I think that what he does is very important work. And I don't think that sports talk radio has kind of the uh, same, societal importance that say, you know, like what Phil Williams and and news outlets like yourself, Steve, you know, things like that, you know, do. So my priorities are to be fair and to, you know, get, give the audience what they want to hear, you know, talk about the things that they care about. And then I I do feel like I owe it, you know, as part of, you know, this, this try or uh, pyramid of priorities. I mean, I owe it to our advertisers who spend a lot of money with the radio station because they want people to hear about their products. I feel like I have a big responsibility to our salespeople that sell those advertisements uh, because that's how these people, you know, feed their families and that's how they work. And if they don't sell ads, then, you know, we don't get paid on the air. And so, I mean, I have to prioritize that. I think then, you know, trying to, Say, all right, I am going to lead the Nashville sports listener into a another direction because I want to enlighten you. Like, that's not the job, in my opinion. So I don't try to do that. I just kind of try to I, I find radio hosts that do that, to be completely honest with you, I, I find them to be self-serving. And I'm not interested in in doing a show that you know, Seem, goes seems the opposite. It. Seems the opposite of self-serving, honestly. Because it, if it's not good for ratings, then it's not self-serving. Let me ask you though. Let me ask you the same question, but in a different way, and we'll let you go because you've been very gracious. Do you think the medium evolves over time? Uh, it has been challenged by the podcast space. Twenty twenty-two was the first year uh, that males twenty-five to fifty-four got more sports content from the podcast digital space than from sports talk radio. That is because people are seeking out other things. The question is, it doesn't mean that the, the sports talk radio still doesn't dominate the market. It does when it comes to to the conversation and live element. Do you think in 10 years or 15 years, we're having a different type of conversation about the medium itself and the the, fa- the forces and the factors that we're discussing right here? Well, I think the bigger question is in 10 or 15 years, are teams going to still want their games on radio stations? And 
my gut is yes, but I mean, I have no idea what that's going to be. I mean, the the teams, the way the radio works for teams is incredibly important. And I think we've seen some teams in pro sports try to go all digital, and that doesn't really work very well. And so, I mean, like, I, I thought it was a huge step in the right direction for Vanderbilt for them to be on 1025. You know, instead of bouncing around, you know, baseball's here, and this one's there, and this is... Like, I think that's a big step in today's era. 15 years from now, I don't know if it'll have the same value or not. Um, so as long as the games are still important to be on the radio, I think sports talk radio will still be profitable and important for those teams and flagship partners. If that changes, then I don't know what's going to happen. The one thing I would say is, I think news talk and sports talk are different from other forms of radio from the standpoint of, I feel like, and this is just me personally, that at 3.30 on a Monday, after the Titans play a game, if you want to hear like what the person, like the pulse of the city is, like what the people in Nashville are saying, not me, but like the people of Nashville, the callers, the texters, those kind of things, you get that on live talk radio. You're not going to get that on Sirius for an individual city. You're not going to get that on a podcast that was recorded, you know, two hours after the game. You're just not going to get that live instant reaction. And when Malcolm Butler signed with the Titans, that was kind of a moment for me where I was kind of like, okay, this is the difference. Because that was 2018 and podcasts were really starting to, to make their, you know, ascension, right? And Malcolm Butler signs with the Titans at 4.30 on a Tuesday. And right then and there, we dropped everything we were doing for the next hour and a half, and we talked about Malcolm Butler signing with the Titans. And we had loaded phones and people weighing in and people happy and people mad and, you know, everything. And why did he get benched in the Super Bowl and all that? And you can't do that on a pre-recorded medium. And I think news talk is kind of the same way. And so I think as long as that element's in place, and in the case of sports talk, the games still have to have homes on the radio. I think sports talk radio will still have very solid footing in the market that maybe other types of radio won't have. Okay, I understand. I, and I, I agree. I don't think it's going anywhere. I just I, I think it could evolve over time. And I we'll, we'll see. Uh, Jared, thank you so much, man. I, I always love talking to you. I always love having you on. I love your perspective and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Keep keep arguing with Joe and Paul and those guys because uh, it seems to be working well. And uh, we do appreciate it, man. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me again. That was Jared Stillman. Always love his perspective on the media and radio. And I again, I think it's I think it's fascinating his his analysis of doing your audience a disservice, but then also, and then you and I've had this conversation a million times, like do people click on stuff because it's clickbait or do they click on stuff because they want it? And is that what causes people to put out clickbait? It's the snake eating its tail kind of thing. Like, is it the audience's fault? Is it the media's fault? And then the answer is kind of always a little bit of everything. Uh, and I'm, and he didn't, he didn't technically answer the question about do sports fans evolve in over the next 10 or 15 years, because he's right. Sports talk radio is never going to go anywhere. Uh, but the trend lines are that people are looking for stuff that's a little bit more in depth, a little bit more, and I would say nutritional, uh, you know, more wholesome ingredients, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't, I don't know what we, what sports talk radio sounds like in 15 years. I still think it's around. And I, I guess my question to you is, do you think there's always a large cross section of a sports population in Nashville that is always just going to want what sports talk radio delivers? And that if they want the other things, they'll just go find that other places. Or do you think that they, or do you think that it forces sports talk radio to evolve? Well, I, I think that uh, to, to the evolution issue, I, I like, I don't think sports talk radio is getting any smarter. I mean, I, the, I don't think the audience is getting any smarter. I, I mean, you're, you're, you're looking at a diminishing number of people who haven't, who, who, who just, don't want to look for other options and it, it, it's you're you're just you're just whittling down the the current audience until in, into kind of its 
laziest form. I and that and that's you know that that's that's pretty critical here. But I mean the the numbers certainly the num the the numbers certainly bear out kind of like the 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 direction of terrestrial radio. It's not like anybody's adding thousands and thousands of of listeners and 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 particularly as you know with as every generation of cars that we have uh you know changes to to be the minute you get into it it syncs with your phone uh and and you're listening and and you know and you're being driven by those listening uh habits that you're developing on your phone well, i just think that we're we're we're, we're going to I don't think it's going away, but it's certainly going to have kind of diminished value. Let, let me, I, I don't disagree with you, but I don't think it's ever going to go away. And like to, to your point and to Jared's point, but, but here was a tweet uh, about this, this, uh, this show last week, John, John sent me uh, a tweet. He said, I enjoyed listening to the last lamestream episode. I would like to hear you talk about the current Titans coverage, which we actually did with, with Kaharski a couple of weeks ago. So you can go check that one out, which I sent to him. He says, this is the interesting pushback to your point. And I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. He says, I feel overwhelmed by watching the game. And with Twitter, I get all the info I need. Both radio stations talk Titans all the time. There are excellent podcasts, but I never really listen to them because I'm overwhelmed. And I'm I'm like that is that is a, a, a dynamic that I don't know if we have fully grappled with as and I will I will broaden this outside of sports. As human beings, <laughs> we we are inundated and insatiable when it comes to content, and we are pounded by people with content, people like me and you, from every single possible direction in our lives at all times. So, so, so to this point, if you look at like what's what some of the, I mean, let me talk a little bit about like newsletters here. Uh, if you look at like what the what the some of the biggest newsletters are every single day, um. There's a couple of products. One of them is called 1440. Another one is called Morning Brew that are essentially aggregators of all the news. And so they, they, so they make it so that, you know, if you pick up one thing and you read one news thing that day, it organizes it for you. I think people, uh, and, and I think what that speaks to is that people inherently appreciate organization uh, Efficiency, being, organization sort of being imposed. It's why it's why people like the newspaper as a format, even though even if they didn't want to read it in print, it's because it was a people making a set of uh, people making a set of judgments about okay, here are the most important things that you need to know, you know, and in sort of like descending order. So if it's on the front page, it's pretty important. If it's on page A ten, eh, maybe you can skip it. And I I I think that within the newsletter industry you're see, you're starting to see these not starting to see you've seen these products kind of evolve uh to 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 reach that sort of need i think i, I think like one of the great you know one of the great million dollar ideas would be who can develop who can develop the thing for podcasts or for kind of kind of digital content that does that does the the same sort of thing that can that can take you to the things that that are important. The, you know, the problem is, is the the scale of it is the scale of it is just so massive right now. I mean, I, I have a podcast feed that I was out on vacation last week, uh, got sick, so I was listening to uh, so I was listening to uh, a, a fair amount of podcasts, but I couldn't like I couldn't even keep up with like the stuff that I had self selected into my podcast feed, um, and and there's a lot of stuff that I really really wanted to uh to be listening to including a uh, quick recommendation here um there's a there's a podcast called judging sam uh where uh it's michael lewis and a reporter who are doing daily updates from the sam bankman freed uh ftx uh wild uh, criminal trial in in new york and it's really really good uh it's really really good they get into they've gotten into kind of like all the legal issues and sort of like it's it's a really good kind of courts primer if you've never if you've never paid attention to kind of kind of like the structure of a criminal trial anyway uh, um but all that to say this I, I the, your you know John's note is is prescient in that there are there are de there are definitely openings for people to to be able to aggregate this sort of thing into a, an understandable sort of place to go I, you know 
there are different places that I'm not, I'm, I'm not being very coherent here. Um, <laughs> I, I have, this is, this is, this is, this is some of the leftover COVID brain from, uh, from last week. Well, I, again, I, I, I think the entire landscape is fascinating. I think people's habits are fascinating. Uh, I do think that the, the, like, again, people are overwhelmed and I do, I believe the newsletter is sort of the newspaper's version of like Twitter lists. You know, basically what you're doing is you're culling, what you want into one place. And I, I consume Twitter through my lists, which I have personally organized and, and, and detail, like from a, I have handpicked who's going to go on my Titans list, my Preds list, my college football list, my sec list, my Nashville news list. Like I've got that curated. And I think a newsletter to your point is, is the same kind of process. I don't want all the noise. Just give me the things that matter right here in this one place in my own inbox where I can consume it by my, like me and the, and the content individually in a more personal relationship, but that I control how that works. And that's the one thing that sports talk radio Stillman's right. There's never going to be a place where you can go and everyone get together and listen to this one thing live. Although you can listen to plenty of 440 sports shows live on the YouTube page. Uh, anytime you want on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, uh, the three shows that we do live each week, we have plenty of people reacting with us in real time on Mondays after Titans games. What what's in and there's plenty of other great live shows across the digital platforms in this city, um, but I, I think it's interesting what's going to happen in terms of, like that's never going to go away. But there's also place for hey, I need three days to think about this and really analyze my thoughts because here here's an interesting exercise. Let me let me do this for the Titans fans this weekend for the Colts game. If you are a Twitter user like you and I are during the games, right? Here's what I want you to do when you watch a play or something big happens. Don't open Twitter. I want you to form your own opinion first. Your own brain with your own thoughts on what you saw in the game. Form your own opinion and write it down. Then I want you to then go read all all the takes, whether it's Twitter or radio or newspaper or reporters or friends or family or text threads, whatever, and see how that that one thing you felt changes and is affected by the group think. And I think it's I think it's. it's it's very it has a very interesting effect on us because if you have the freedom to control your own opinion first and to really like put yourself in a box first it 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 is different you come up with different things and you're influenced heavily by what's happening out there in the in the you know the sphere of influence or online discussion or whatever sure okay i I always love it when i when i feel like i make a really smart and salient point and then you just like whatever dude it's like I, always my favorite. <laughs> great, great, great job, Brad. All right, thanks, thanks, Steve. Good, Go to Jasper's, everybody. Thanks, Jared, good for coming thinking. on. Go to Jasper's. Uh, have a great weekend. Uh, think about your own thoughts during Titans games. Just write it down, and then go to Twitter and see how your opinion changes. <laughs> it's an interesting experiment. I'm just saying. It's an that's a lot of. That's all. You're, you're making Twitter a lot of work. It's a sentence. Write down one opinion. Hey, I thought that was a good throw by Tannehill. Think that before you go read what everyone else thought about it. Come up with your own shit. Anyway, go go to Jasper's, <laughs> rate, review, and subscribe. Listen to all the other great shows from the 440 Sports Network. And, of course, go to thenashvillebanner.com for good local coverage. All right, for Steve Cavendish, I'm Braden Gall. Thanks for listening. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.